back to the Pro Series Podcast. This is episode 122, and today's guest is Noel Parnell. He is the co-founder of Crown Capital Corp. He is also a real estate investor, an athlete. We kind of talk about the segue to being an athlete into the entrepreneur world and the benefits it has. And also, we talk about his company and some real estate investment questions. But before we get into this podcast, please like, subscribe, and review this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, I hope you enjoy episode 122 with Noel Parnell. Noel, thank you so much for hopping on the Pro Series podcast today. Excited to talk to you about your expertise um, and just get to know you a little bit on this um, short, this 30 minutes or an hour episode. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm a Philadelphia native. We were just talking about that previously. So born and raised in Philadelphia. I uh, ended up taking a track scholarship down to uh, Louisiana. Ooh. So first I was at uh, LSU and then uh, Southern University. And so I graduated from Southern University. So I am a um, former pro athlete. I did run a little bit of professional track and field, former scientist. I was at uh, GSK and what well, we're going to touch on that and how that spearheaded things. Okay. And I am a full-time real estate investor. Um, I do, I touch on a lot of things with the real estate. I'll do buy and holds. I don't do any flips any longer, but I do a lot of creating financing to get deals done, uh, new land development. And also we buy apartment buildings through syndication. So I, I do like syndications, but I don't consider myself a syndicator. It's just a tool in the toolbox to get a, a deal done for me. Okay. And then touching on your sports pass, how do you think that sports created who you are today in the business world has it taught you anything has it prepared you any how well, just talk about that it, it, well one you don't have uh always laugh at this when you're growing up in one of a you know you're in a blue collar city as well you know it's this coaching and uh the way things were done back in the 80s and 90s are a lot differently the way kids are brought up right now there wasn't any gentle parenting there so I think like the coaching, like I, I've been called out of my name so many times. Like, when they called me Noel, I was like, or Noel, I'm like, what, huh? You calling me that? You know, <laughs> it was it was discipline. It was do things right the first time, you know, and it taught you to really be um, hardened, you know, you know, so your feelings couldn't be hurt, you know, because you had to brush things off and, and, and compete. So, and you had to learn about losses. So I always encourage any parent or anybody to do Something in any something that you can compete in because you need to learn how to deal with losses to propel you. If you don't know how to combat adversity, you know, it's a it's a tough road because when you know everybody has a plan till they get popped in the mouth. And then what are we going to do? Oh yeah. And that that leads you into a perfect segue into the first topic, turning layoffs into real estate um opportunities. Tell me a little bit about that. So uh, the year is 2009. I'm fresh off of the 2008 Beijing Games. I did not make the Olympic Games. I didn't make the Olympic team, but I still got to go to the Beijing Games uh, as a guy runner for a Paralympian who is uh, blind. So we're tethered together and we run together. So I'm his mirror image. So okay. I was start off left-handed. He was, he was right-handed. So I had to be his mirror image. And so that one, that, that really, that was so amazing for me because as a athlete, sometimes in a, in a particular sport as swimming or track or boxing, it's pretty selfish. It's a, it's a, it's a one man sport there. And I was just like, oh man, I, you know, 
I want to make Olympics. I want to get a gold medal. And after 10 seconds, it was gone. Like it was like four years of training under 10 seconds. Woof, it was gone. What are you going to do? And, but what I learned from that is that I helped somebody else fulfill their dreams. And that was actually probably more important to me when I look back at it now and how, how it made me feel to help somebody else fulfill their dream. I mean, that was this, uh, this it was an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that just preludes that. And then you go into, all right, you didn't make it. What are you going to do? And this is where I like to tell folks like, hey, you have to follow and trust yourself. So, you know, my, my mother or my stepmother and my dad were like, what are you going to do? You know, you didn't make the team. What are you going to do? You're going to go to work. You're going to go to work. And he's like, you know, you're not getting any younger. I was 26. I had plenty of time to go and try out for 2012. I was 26 years old. And I let someone else's fears impact my decision on what to do. And so I always like to tell people, do not let anyone else's fears impact your decisions. And it meant it out of love. But, you know, I always look at it, I was like, I was, I was 26 years old. It wasn't like I was 44, still trying to you know, catch this, this dream out here. I was, I was in prime age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went into the workforce. I listened to them. I ended up getting a job at GSK in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I was an RTP. So any of your listeners down there, there was an RTP. The building was called Eline Hitchings Building. It looked like a big beehive. And I'm working in this building. And then one day we get called down for a town hall. And, you know, it's like, oh, it's this normal town hall. Like I'm kind of getting acclimated to the, you know, the working, you know, working life. Get down there and right off a of Band-Aid, hey, this building's going to be closed, you know, at this, at, at the end of the month. I think it was only like three weeks. This mm-hmm. building's going to be closed, you know, we're sorry. And the looks on everyone's faces, husbands, wives, mothers, dads, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at it because it was, I was still, I was at probably 27 at this time, but I was just looking at it like, I didn't have anybody to care for but myself. I'm looking at everybody else like, oh, what, what are we going to do? You know, like what, how I'm going to, what am I going to do for my family? Is there any severance? Is there, what, what's going to happen? They're not giving any type of news other than we're closing this whole building. You know, I had a boss that was like, hey, you can try to reach out for this. And I was just like, how in the hell can someone that doesn't know how hard I work, but any of my colleagues are working can just make this decision? And I understand now it's a business, but it was still impactful to have someone in charge of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when people ask like, oh, you know, I didn't have any horror stories with um, working, uh, you know, working my W-2. I didn't have any uh, bad bosses. I just didn't want someone to have that power over me. And that stuck with me. So I'm mad at the world at this time. How do the rich get rich? I'm on my computer. How do the rich get rich? You know, and it comes up that uh, real estate. And I let that slide. And this is how I always, I don't know what anybody believes in, but the universe works in, you know, crazy ways. So I, I'm laid off now. And I was like, all right, I need to spruce up my resume. 
I go to Barnes and Nobles. I'm looking for, I actually put this book in one of my presentations. I look for this resume book, you know, the, that, that for everybody that's young, they had resume books back then. And I, you, you can look and see how you can model your resume to be more attractive for uh, a recruiter. Yeah. So I'm in Barnes and Noble looking for this. And there was a real estate book in that section. Mm. And so uh, it was a real estate for dummies. And I'm just looking at it. And it keyed on me like, oh, I looked at, you know, why do, how do people get rich? And they were like that, that metric. And I was like, oh, let me take a, let me take a look. And I started reading it. The, the funny thing about this is that I was so cheap and frugal. I would go to Barnes and Nobles every day and I would just stay in that real estate section and I would just take notes and bookmark it. And so real estate wasn't as sexy back then because now you're going through the, you know, the great recession. This is 2009 ish, 10 and I'm just still taking notes and I'm just, I'm just consuming all the information I can get right now. And that's, that's how that parlayed to me going like knocking on doors, learning different sales techniques, reading Gary Keller's books, you know, so a lot of people always say they start off with rich dad, poor dad. No, mine was real estate for dummies that kind of spearheaded myself into my real estate career. My gosh. That's crazy. You started when you started in 2009. After what happened? My first interest rate uh, in 11 was like 11%, man. It was was Yeah. What we're going through now, like it it was was like, it was, it was crazy. It was like 11%. You know, it was, it was, it was really, it was sucked. You know, I didn't know it sucked. I was just looking, but yes. Yeah. Did you see someone that you like, were you looking up to someone that was in real estate? Like how, Tell me about that. Did you see someone that was like flipping houses or what What was it? No, no, no. Um, I didn't, I didn't see nobody at that point. Okay. What it was is that I, again, I looked at the metrics and then I also was like, I think I can do this. And so my very first property was a disaster. Oh. So when you, when you get here, you know, you fast forward to how high your interest rate was. But that was done through um, a seller financing deal, knocking on doors, seller financing deal. And then when you refi, it was it was high. And this is where I get to the point where, if, you know, social media bashes people for W-2s. Your W-2 is your first partner. I got, you know, I got approved because I had a scientist job, you know, and, you know, I didn't have any experience and my credit, you know, unfortunately was low. It wasn't low because I had debt. It was that I was an athlete through college. And, yeah. and I was too lazy to, to wait in the Discover uh, ma- credit MasterCard line on campus. It was hot in Louisiana because there were people out there waiting. I was like, I'm not waiting that long line to get it. So that's the only thing that saved me from getting a credit card in college. I was just my laziness not to sit in there. So it was the lack of credit that why my credit score was so low. Um, and, but anyway, my W-2 helped me out with that. Mm-hmm. And I just kept parlaying, you know, um, you know, 25% down on here. And then that's how I also learned to do creative financing deals. Uh, when I recognize like, oh, you can do this. Uh, if I negotiate them, giving them like 8% interest only, and then I can take it to the bank and, and do this with it. Um, and at that time, I didn't even know about burring. I was just getting flat loans. I didn't know about burring until like 2014, 15, probably. I was just taking straight loans because I, I, was, I was just siloed. And then I started going to real estate RIAs and I got a mentor. Um, I always shout him out, Joe Scarice. He taught me a lot. And then I was like, oh man, 
you can do all this. And then I was like a bull. He always says this. I was a bull in the China shop and I just ran with it. And I started doing almost 16 to 20 deals a year, you know, in, in peak time. I was doing about 16, 20 deals a year at one point. I think you have to be that way and have that mindset in real estate or to be successful, at least. Yeah, you, you do. can't be timid. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't be timid. And I always tell people I laugh now. I used to go to um, I used to try to make deals because, again, I had a, a good W-2. I ended up getting another job at a pharma company, but I would look at um, share sales, share sales for tax foreclosures and uh, mortgage foreclosures. And this taught me two things. One, yeah, it is a, a creative way that I had income and reserves that I could go ahead and I could, um, you know, pay something off for somebody and make a deal with them to get mm -hmm. it. Um, and GSK had a good um, 401k plan that you can borrow from it to use funds. So I used to borrow from my 401k and then pay it back. At, at the, I would pay myself back with interest, essentially. So I utilized that as well. But more importantly, I learned empathy because, you know, I was an asshole. I was just going door to door. Give me, you want to sell your home? Hey, you want to sell your home? You lack empathy because no man or woman wants to lose their home because, oh, they couldn't pay their taxes. They couldn't pay their mortgage. And, you know, I think back at it now, and, you know, I'm glad I learned those lessons because it changed my motto on how I do real estate. So my first thing was not, hey, gimme, gimme, gimme. My first offer to somebody in that case, and it's still to this day, is that how can I help you? What, what do you need that you can use to, you know, keep your home? You know, can we partner together to do something? Let's lay everything out and see what are the options we can do to help you and your family. And, and I know that, guess what? If I'm doing something that can benefit you, there's some benefit here. And that's, we'll see if we can work this out. And so I, that was always my first thing. Like, how can I help you? How can we partner together on the deal? Or how can you sell the, sell the house to me? Or we depart, you know, and you enjoyed your free coffee. Because I was, at that time, I was still meeting at like McDonald's. There was, it wasn't even Starbucks in Philadelphia at that time. It was doing like, I was doing like McDonald's, yeah, let's meet at McDonald's for coffee at this time. You know, I know I wasn't meeting at Starbucks uh, back in like 2012 or 11. It was definitely McDonald's. <laughs> My gosh. So when did the whole start of Crown Capital start? So... Crown Capital started shortly after the pandemic. I went to um, Michael Blanc. He has a good podcast as well, Michael Blanc. Um, I did his mentor program. I went, I read, I read his book, but he had a good mentor program where you can pay, but they guarantee that, like, yo, you're going to get into a property, you stay into the program, or to get money back. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and I didn't know how to underwrite, you know, when I look back at it, it was a great program, but what I really didn't know how to do was underwrite apartment deals. Mm -hmm. That was my, my only thing. Um, and I learned from a great mentor, Kyle Mitchell out of Arizona. He has a great book on asset management that is fabulous. So if anybody out there wants a good book on asset management, look up, uh, asset management by Kyle Mitchell. Um, he was my mentor. And, um, from there I started crown capital. I knew I wanted to do deals and acquisitions. And so you find somebody else that you don't want to do the things that you don't want to do. <laughs> and I found Tiffany and Lupe and Lupe handles all, all our like investor relations of raising capital. And Tiffany does everything else as far as like how we do our funnels, how we do our website, all the IT infrastructure, 
you know, the speaking engagements, what not to say, you know, what pronouns to use. She does everything there, you know, and it, it's really a great blend and mesh with, you know, two powerful women. You know, Lupe is, she's about to retire from the Navy, you know, she's 20 plus years in the Navy and will be retiring uh, in 2024. And Tiffany is an IT consultant, has her own business doing government contracts. And so we just really blended really well. And I'm, I'm just really lucky that I found them, you know, or we found each other, but really we found each other. Yeah. Listening to your story, you, you mentioned a lot about a mentor and then all these other people that have helped you along the way. I think there's so many people out there that just want to do it on their own. What is it? Why was it so important to you to have a mentorship and to network and get involved with other people um, along your journey? Uh, no, not to sound cliche, iron sharpens iron. You know, you, you have to be around. If you want to change your standard, you always have to rise with other folks because, you know, if they're doing bigger deals or more intricate deals, mm -hmm. then you will understand how to get those done. You will also have good banking relationships, good, good broker relationships. So that's why it's really, really important. And on the mentoring front, I will mention Michael Block was the only one that actually ever paid for a mentor. I had several. My best mentors, not to discredit the Michael Block mentorship program, it was good, but my best mentors came from seasoned investors that I reached out to and they just took me under their wing out of the goodness of their, their heart. You know, and it, the main thing that all of them had in common was that time is a commodity. So come with what your expectations are. You know, don't waste the time. We'll waste their time. But my best mentors were absolutely free. Um, and I still do that to this day. Like there's someone that I admire. Um, like, you know, I want to get into the sports business later on. So I'm always in Josh Harris, who does, you know, bought the, uh, the I was about to call them the Redskins, the Commanders. Yeah. Um, versus the commanders. Um, so I'm always in his DM because I use again real estate as a tool. I would yeah. eventually like to own a minority ownership in a sports franchise. So I'm always on LinkedIn looking at people that own minor league uh baseball teams, soccer teams, because it's a real estate business in itself as well. Like I've reached out to a couple of few folks that own their facilities, their concessions, the, the land, you yeah. know. It's, a, it's still a real estate business, but they, they they just operate in a different fashion. But you have to reach out to folks and come with a direct ask. And then something that you can provide as well. And you never know what that can provide. I normally lay out certain bullets and I kind of give a, when I'm making an intro, email introduction, I, I try to make it very concise, nothing really long-winded that it'll take more than like five minutes to read but just really highlighting some of my best attributes and why I want a moment of their time per month. And I'm actually telling them like, Hey, I only want 15 minutes of your time per month. And these are the things I want to ask you. I'm placing that all that in, in that, in that email where I'm giving you a direct ask of what I need. And I'm giving you a direct, I guess not why, but I'm giving you what I can provide to you in very concise bullets. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said what you just said, because I feel like that's something that when people are starting out, not just in real estate, in any type of business, they kind of want to just, like I said, start out on their own and just not take in advice from other people or not even ask advice. I feel like that's the biggest mistake you could ever take when you're starting a business. 
Absolutely. I, I agree. I, I totally agree. It it pays one. And if you have a, a good RIA, there's so many good RIAs in every town and some older ones. I'm a part of Dig, which is one of the oldest in Pennsylvania, you know, southeastern Pennsylvania. And there's a, a wealth worth of knowledge on here of investors that you're that the I, I call them old timers, but they're not going to be on social media. They're not on LinkedIn. They just have this stuff up here. And you just need to be in, you just need to listen and, you know, be in the know and be listening to what they have to say when they open their mouths. Yeah. And then now that you do have so much information, I think it's so important to like, spread it. And obviously you're already doing that, spreading it on podcasts, doing it like that. What is your advice on people that want to reach out to you or reach out to someone like you for that? Um, and just build up the courage to do so. The, the same thing. I'm very, um, most people that know, like I used to, so I used to give out my phone number all the time and oh, man. I would answer the messages, but then it came so much that I couldn't get to every message. Yeah. It, if it's an email, I always will answer anybody's email within 24 hours. I can always guarantee that I will answer any email within 24 hours. That's awesome. And you never know what's going to be. I was actually, it's funny that you said you had like the full circle moment. You want to go back to kind of invest in real estate in sports type of deal and franchise and stuff. I was just in Green Bay this week and I don't, I don't know if you've ever been there, but Lambeau Field, the Lombardi family owns like the whole side of the field and a lot of the real estate on it. And I was just so interested in that whole thing. It's and that's uh you know that's a well you know I've been researching franchises because you know there's a lot of fan, private owned that you know Green Bay is one of them they do allow some of their fan base to buy into shares yeah of the Green Bay Packers uh, which I thought was very interesting because I'm always there's always intricate rules on how you can do these things as well but yeah it's really really impressive yeah yeah I want to ask one more question about sports um in in general. Um, I'll, I've listened to so many interviews with ex pro athletes, Olympic athletes, all this stuff, and they're working their whole lives to their end result to be in the Olympics or the Super Bowl or whatever. Um, and then when they go to retire or leave that sport, their identity, they, they struggle with going into the business world or get into the career world. Did you go through that at all? Or did you ever like, do you have any advice on people that ever go through that? Yeah, for identity, yeah. I'm still chasing ghosts a little bit. Um, yeah. and I can always admit to that. Like I'm a I I do a lot of sports, whether it's Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, I'm an avid CrossFitter. And oh, okay. I, I train like I'm trying to train for the new Olympics. And I'm you know, age is undefeated. And I have to realize my age, you know, not that I'm an old man, but I'm like, man, you're training like this is this is all you got like uh what is it rocky four when he's out there and um yeah. in russia trying to you know that's how i'm looking and that's how i'm trying to train right now and i'm like wait a minute wait a minute you're chasing ghosts you know yeah. you can't get back to 22 year old you know your 22 year old self you're mm -hmm. actually in a better place right now so i try not to go back into the hindsight because what if i would have made that 2012 team you know I wouldn't have been in real estate. I wouldn't have been in the lives that, and I wouldn't have impacted certain lives that I have right now. Yeah. And so I always have to think about that part of it as well. Yeah. But yeah, it is, um, I wouldn't say it's hard. I think you really have to, um, really have to know yourself and what you want. You know, I still love sports. That's why I think I want to be in a, a sports team owner. Um, 
and I, I probably wouldn't be a good GM, uh, <laughs> the patience of that level. But I definitely like, you know, being around that camaraderie. Yeah. You know, I think also when you work out with certain people, uh, whatever gym, they have that certain that certain trait and quality. Because I wake I wake up at four and I'm in the gym crossfitting at 5 a.m. with 16 other individuals that chose to get up at five in the morning, too. And yeah. it's something that they wanted to do there as well. And that that bond that, you know, like, guess what? Hey, I know I have a family. I have a wife. I have a husband. I have children. I have an 18-month-old, you know? So, you know, and the things that, you know, I, that, that you're building, you talk about, yeah. that, I love that. I love that about that sports identity. And I don't want to lose that because it does give you a little bit of an edge. Oh, yeah. Know, as, as well. It does give you a little bit of edge. Yeah. I, in high school, my senior project was on why sports are so impactful to a human's um, life, not just through schooling, but through later on into your career and what, how much it teaches you. And it's just incredible. The amount of discipline of X athlete, I don't want to say X, cause I feel like you're always going to be an athlete, but someone that's not fully yeah. in the athletic world anymore, their discipline and their head driven, how incredible it is and how much you can't just learn that as you you're older. And I want, I, I, and I'm sure it's a, probably a study out there of you know quote unquote high achievers and what what disciplines they do outside of work. I guarantee you, there's a correlation of what they're pushing themselves and outside of work and how they're taking care of their bodies as well. You know, I I see in high achievers they're never looking sloppy. They're always put together, and they have a they have a um, a system. And a, and a mythology of what they're, how they're doing their days and what their day is going to look like. I agree. Yeah, there has to be a study out there with that. It's just. Yeah. I guarantee that it'll show like that correlation, like the high achievers in sports, like they, they, they this, they're, they're achieving for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Noah, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. I want to finish up on where people could follow you, your website, whatever you want to promote. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the website is Crown Capital Corp dot com dot com dot com c r o w n capital is c a p i t a l corp c o r p dot com i can be reached at noel at crown capital corp dot com and i'm on instagram as franklin it's my middle name ironically noel was taken so franklin parnell um i am on instagram it's franklin dot parnell but that i'm on instagram as that as well Awesome, Noah. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Can't wait to get this out and hear what people have to say about it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me.